Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football presented by BKCW. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and CJ Vogel. And guys, Texas finally has a defensive tackle coach. I know Texas fans have to be relieved. You know, that's been the hot topic of discussion. But Kenny Baker, give us the lowdown. Yeah, he's, he's an interesting hire. Uh, Sark is not afraid to kind of pull guys that you have never heard of before. He did it with Chris Jackson, uh, right, uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars a year ago. Uh, but Kenny Baker is a mid-30s, late-30s, uh, young assistant defensive line coach uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, had previous stops at Western Kentucky and UT Chattanooga. He's an Atlanta native, which I think is important. We saw a spate of offers go out in the in Georgia yesterday from Tashard Choice, uh, by the way. He's out there uh, recruiting today. Um, but look, I mean, I, I think that we're looking at it right now. Um, and uh, he's trying to find somebody that he thinks can improve Texas uh, in recruiting while also being a solid defensive line coach. Uh, that's what they're trying to get at with uh, Kenny Baker. Uh, it's an opportunity here. Uh, for Texas to try to, you know, uh, move the needle in recruiting, in my opinion. Uh, let's see where they end up. Uh, Baker, it should be uh, mentioned, is not is no slouch from a development standpoint. Uh, and during his time at Western Kentucky, he he uh, helped tutor a third third round draft pick. He also had another guy that ended up is playing in the NFL as well. So he's got two NFL guys uh, in just his I think four years at uh, Western Kentucky. Uh, we did a little recon with him. Uh, uh, on him, uh, talking to other people as well. We can get into that a little bit uh, later, Blake. But uh, my feeling on it is uh, Steve Sarkeesian has a, I mean, he has a depth of knowledge of the industry that people don't understand. I, it's hard for people to understand. It's like I, I was reading on the On Texas Football message board. Somebody said, oh, well, like, to be honest, I only know like 10 defensive line coaches total in the entire country. <laughs> like, and, and that's fair, right? I mean, that, that really is true. Well, they they've Steve Sarkeesian's not like that. I mean, he's 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 in this. This is his job for a living. I mean, so he knows he don't he doesn't just know the top line stuff, you know. And I'm not saying he knew Baker extremely well before, but he knew people that knew Baker. Uh, you know what I mean? And so uh, I'm 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 int I'm interested because I think it's an opportunity for the Texas staff to get a little younger, uh, which I think is healthy at times. I, I think you need different age groups represented to kind of give you the old guard, the new guard, and kind of in the middle, that sort of stuff. Uh, so I, I feel like, uh, you know, it, it's a new day, and uh, we'll see. I will say this. He was scheduled, and I'm interested to know this. I did try to, to find this out through the Senior Bowl last night. He was he was scheduled to be the defensive line coach at either the Senior Bowl or the East-West Shrine game. I can't remember. I tried the Senior Bowl, but anyways, we'll see uh, exactly if he continues on with that or not. But uh, – uh, Kenny Baker, young up-and-coming coach for the Longhorns now. And like you said, we'll get into more specifics about that. But first, let's talk about another coach, guys. And that's uh, running backs coach to Shard Choice. You know he has to be very happy. As uh, I'm going to bring it up right here. You're looking at the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Year finalists. He coached two of the guys of the five finalists and the only two running backs on the list. How amazing is that? That's so impressive. It really is. And for both of them to go in the first 15 uh, picks of that draft, it's just such a nice weapon to use for to shard choice and, and recruiting. That's one of the reasons why, obviously, 
he's been able to have such success on the recruiting trail, being able to say I've developed two top five their top 15 picks, as well as Rotron Johnson, who had a pretty strong rookie season as well for Chicago. So this is an incredible list. I know Houston fans are very excited to see uh, CJ Stroud up there as well as Bijan Robinson. That's a, a win-win for them. So really impressive year all around, but for Tashard Choice to be able to boast two of these guys, <laughs> I mean, that's rather remarkable. Definitely. All right, y'all. Well, the other thing that I wanted to bring up, and CJ, I'm going to let you just kind of take the lead on this. I'm going to put it up here for you. Um, but you had some interesting information about the opponent's next year for this next season i guess i should say for texas and i'm gonna put the graph up here and just kind of let you explain it to folks yeah so it, it was really you know kind of spurred my interest whenever jim harbaugh took the nfl job we obviously knew michigan would go into 2024 without jj mccarthy and and a whole wealth of talent from this national championship winning team and kind of got me thinking and uh, I was wondering, I was, you know, Texas is going to be facing what feels like uh, a lot of new quarterbacks. You know, they, there's going to first time quarterbacks in that system for that team. You know, it feels like there's going to be a lot of, of new faces Texas will face. And that's kind of the opposite of what we've known Texas to be. So we, we're excited about Texas coming in with year three of Quinn Ewers in the same system under Steve Sarkeesian. That's what we expect to be a strength for Texas. That's not necessarily the strength of what Texas will face this upcoming season. There's four brand new head coaches. Obviously, uh, Michigan has yet to formally announce their new head coach. I think we we all believe that's going to be Sharon Moore. Uh, Mississippi State hires Jeff Levy. That's a big one. Obviously, Mike Elko down at Texas A&M. New eras starting around the SEC. So while Texas is joining the SEC, a lot of these schools are starting brand new chapters in their own programs. Obviously, at the quarterback side of things, it looks like Alex Orgy might be the guy for Michigan. Uh, you know, Frank Harris no longer there for UTSA, as we talked about a little bit yesterday. It's it's a, a, the wild, wild west for a lot of these schools starting brand new chapters in which Texas isn't. And I think that's going to be a strength. Uh, interestingly enough, Texas has three former five stars on this um, on this uh, uh, 2024 roster. Connor Wegman, uh, Jackson Arnold, and then uh, Brock Vandergrift, who uh, is now at Kentucky. So that's that's that red mark down there for Kentucky. I expect Vandegrift to win that job. He transferred in this past season from Georgia. So a lot going on, a lot of new faces and a lot of new programs uh, for the Texas schedule in 2024. But I, I have to imagine right now a strength of the Longhorns will be the continuity that you see not only at the quarterback position, the head coaching spot, but the offensive line as well, which I haven't talked about just yet. But that it's pretty uh, pretty remarkable. I thought it was an interesting stat. I think it's a great stat, CJ, and, and I, I look at that in the eight new quarterbacks. That's like I, I bet I, I have to think that Texas did not have that issue this past year. I mean, eight new quarterbacks is an incredible amount. Right, guys? Yeah. Um, you know, and that's one of the things that the, the, the Big 12 always did well, I thought, was quarterback play compared right. to other conferences. Um, and so we're going to see how that stresses a defense, a Texas defense in a different conference, I think. Does that make sense? Like it, it, the Big 12 was always, almost always quarterback focused. The SEC is not always quarterback focused. And so I think a, a, a fan's mindset is going to have to change just a little about what you're facing when you go into the SEC. 
It, what's interesting is the four teams that return the quarterbacks from 2023 are Colorado State. That's Braden uh, Fowler Nicolosi, actually from Alito, so someone familiar from the DFW area. Uh, he was second in his conference in passing yards this past season. Obviously, Carson Beck is right up there with Quinn Ewers in terms of Heisman odds for 2024. And then Graham Mertz, who transferred from Wisconsin to Florida, didn't necessarily put up a lot of stats while in the Big Ten. Actually had a pretty solid year you know, for Florida, who did not have a good year record-wise, and obviously Connor Wegman down there at, at Texas A&M. So uh, I, I have to imagine Texas feels very comp uh, confident and comfortable with where Quinnier stacks up amongst this bunch. It's it, it's certainly right now pointing in, uh, in a favor of the Longhorns. Yeah, the other thing I want to bring up, too, real quick, I mean, as we, we look at that list, Michigan right now, guys, they still – I haven't heard of a single guy that's gone in the portal yet. So for those wondering about whether or not there was going to be this mass exodus, that has not happened as yet. Um, and so my, my take on it is that, you know, let's see if anything happens in the next 24 hours because they, they get that 48 hour window before they show anything. But I think that I think that those guys have clearly, you know, got together as a group and said, OK, let's figure this out. They're probably now if, if they don't go in relatively soon. They're probably going to wait for the next portal window, which will be April 15th to 30th. But I think I think it's important to note uh, Michigan holding that thing together is it? I mean, look, I, I'm actually happy about that. Some level from a not happy from a Texas perspective, but happy from a college football perspective that some people are loyal to more than just, you know, where I can go next kind of thing. So that, I think that's good to see. Uh, at the same time, wouldn't hurt my feelings if a, a defensive lineman jumped in. <laughs> So, I, but, but I think everybody understands the the situation, and you don't want to see teams that just won a national ship, championship get blown up simply because th their coach leaves for a better or for a, a, an opportunity in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. Well, guys, a lot more to talk about, but first, before we do that, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell folks out there how they can escape the insurance trap with BKCW. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Blake. Uh, BKCW is a friend of ours and been working with us for almost, uh, gosh, almost a year now. Uh, BKCW uh, talks about the insurance trap. It's an insurance company uh, that handles business insurance. Uh, so if you run your own business, like I do here on Texas Football, most likely you didn't hear from your agent all year. And then right before it was time to renew, they delivered the bad news of a rate increase. It happens. Uh, but when it happens, the agent is actually providing very little value, if not, if any at all. And you're stuck in what we call the insurance trap. BKCW takes you out of the insurance trap by providing you with actual risk management consulting, not just price quoting, operating out of their headquarters in Austin and owned by UT grad BKCW uses a five-step process to identify your team's weak spots, design a plan, execute it, and monitor your situation throughout the year so you can lower your insurance costs and effectively manage your company's risk. Go to bkcw.com or send an email to info at bkcw.com to get started with a free risk assessment or claims audit and escape the insurance trap. Thank you, BKCW. By the way, On Texas Football uses them. Uh, so I appreciate those guys. Yeah, for sure. Okay, guys, before we move on uh, to the next subject, we do have a couple of questions regarding what we just talked about in Michigan. So I want to get to those real quick so we're not just all over the place. But uh, VJ says, has Michigan named their head coach? That will be when people enter 
the portal. And then I'm going to add this one from Tracy Jackson. Why isn't Sharon Moore getting announced? Jim's departure was coming for weeks. Bobby, I know you touched on this yesterday about Michigan and their seven-day rule. Is that, you think, what they're waiting on? I think that's part of it. I think, I, I do believe the reports from Brett McMurphy that it's 99.9% Sharon Moore. Uh, so I don't think we're going to see this uh, big fallout, uh, i.e. what happens at, uh, uh, you know, where Brian Kelly, the LSU coach, might end up at Michigan. I don't think we're going to see that. I think they're going to move to Sharon Moore. Um, and there is a law, a state law in the state of Michigan. I think it's, there's one in in Texas as well, yeah. where a job has to be posted for a certain amount of time before you can actually hire for the job. There are ways around that, though. Uh, and, uh, you know, they can say Sharon Moore is expected to take the job, et cetera. Uh, so I, I'm not uh, I'm not that concerned about that. But I, I do believe that we'll hear from Michigan either over the weekend or on that seventh day. Uh, but just from the, the the feel of it on the outside looking in, uh, the word is that Moore is going to get the job, and that is going to keep a lot of those players, if not all of them, in place uh, during this uh, new window that's been created by Harbaugh going to the NFL. Yeah. And they are confirming in the chat, seven days at Michigan. I think it's three in the state of Texas. And then Heoli Frioli 93 says, what does that say about the culture at Michigan versus at Alabama? I don't. You think it's a culture deal, or you think – promoting within makes that big of a difference. I, but Saban goes through coordinators so fast at, at, on both sides. Both of those were new coordinators this year, right guys? Tommy Reese at, at uh, office coordinator and Kevin Steele at defensive coordinator. He went through coordinators and assistant coaches so frequently that it wasn't, it was the program was Nick Saban. It wasn't his assistants. You know, if, if, however, if Steve Sarkeesian had been the offensive coordinator and he was available um, and had been there for three years at Alabama, he might've gotten that job. Uh, if Kirby Smart hadn't left for Georgia seven years prior or whatever, he would have gotten that job. So I, I do think that there's some level of that. Um, but I think that, I, look, I think Jim Harbaugh really played into the idea of someone being a quote Michigan man, as opposed to a Jim Harbaugh man. Alabama has been shadowed by Nick. I mean, Nick Saban has created a shadow where people were going to Alabama from around the country just to play for Nick Saban. They weren't going there to play for Kalen DeBoer. I mean, Kalen DeBoer, even a college football playoff coach, fine coach. They were going there to play specifically for him, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I would add. I mean, you saw a lot of defensive players uh, at Alabama, the, the secondary in particular, uh, where they knew or felt like Nick Saban was really going to tutor them individually. Uh, you saw a lot of that fallout. Well, the next thing that we need to touch on, the coaches, obviously busy, busy. They are on the road, and I'm going to start with this one right here from Jackson Christian, the Port Natchez Grove uh, offensive lineman. And it looks like Sark came by. Uh, looks like we have Blake Gideon there. Bobby, can you tell us where all they're at? Maybe what who they're looking at? That kind of thing. Well, you know, and CJ, you and I were talking about this uh, pre. They are all over the place. I mean, look, I mean, there, there's Blake Gideon was up in Bauxite, Arkansas two days ago, and now he's down in Port Natchez Grove uh, High School. Uh, they are all over the place, Coach, uh, and that's Kiati Armstrong's coach. Obviously, they're uh, at uh, Jasper. He's a tight end that Texas desperately wants. 
Jackson Christian, a big offensive lineman out of Portnage's Road. So that's Southeast Texas. So if you're unfamiliar with the state geography, well, a lot of people are here, obviously, but that's off of I-10 going, going towards Louisiana. Uh, they'll, he was at, what was he, in South Dallas on Monday and Houston on two. I mean, he's been all over the place. He was in L.A., I think, one day. Uh, just a, a tremendous amount of work from the staff. Uh, the one thing that I would, would, would mention that I think is important here, Tashard Choice has been in the state of Georgia the last couple of days. Um, that, that, that's, that's going to be a, a place where I think now with adding Kenny Baker to the staff, we're going to see Texas make a more concerted effort in the state of Georgia. They've had some success in Georgia, but not major success in Georgia. Um, with two guys uh, in Choice and Baker that are Atlanta natives, they're going to have more and more opportunities there, I think. I really do believe that. Um, and so, and Georgia can't take them all. Um, and the other thing about Georgia that's interesting, you know, Texas, Texas is one of those states where there's such a high profile on players and on high school players that they know the University of Texas roster really, really well. And so what I've seen in recruits is they'll know Texas has X amount of running backs and X amount of defensive ends and all that stuff. And so the in-state guys will say, well, maybe someplace out of state is better for me, even though they don't know that Ohio State has four corners rated just as high or higher than you right now, right? And so what I would say to that and what I'm trying to get at with that is that Texas can re recruit the state of Georgia the same way. Because everybody in Georgia knows that Georgia is loaded yeah. at those positions. You, you get my point, CJ? It's, it's that reverse psychology that Texas can use if they get a foothold in another state. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit with the DFW area. You know, everybody knows Anthony Hill, Colin Simmons, Jonte, you know, some of those big names. They know that they're going to be on roster and going to be taking those snaps at certain positions. So that's kind of that, that same thought process. You know, the kids from out of state, you know, they're going to be aware of of the talent Texas has on roster, but maybe not the depth chart and the numbers at each specific uh, position. So I think that's a good point. A few other recruiting notes. Uh, Jeff Banks was out in East Texas. He stopped by Terrell to see tight end, 2025 tight end Keandre Johnson. He was supposed to make it to campus this past weekend for the junior day. Unfortunately, was unable to. So Texas getting a little bit of a, a FaceTime right there with Keandre Johnson. Obviously, Tight ends have been a, a priority in this class. I already have Emory Winston in the class as well. Uh, but going back to, to Georgia, the work of Tashard Choice, uh, I was very happy to see that the ties that the, the defensive line coach, Kenny Baker, has uh, really from where he's really started growing up and, and started recruiting was to the Deep South. I thought that that was a big piece that Texas needed to add and replace from the departure of Bo Davis. That's where Texas has done a lot of good work in the defensive line as of late. Obviously, Brandon Brown right now being out of Florida, you would like to keep him on uh, in the class. It's going to be a tough thing to do, obviously. Uh, but that's one of those things where if you have those connections to where a lot of defensive linemen are produced, that's certainly going to help you on the, the recruiting trail. But three offers yesterday, uh, two 20, 26 prospects in the 27, two from Atlanta. Uh, Xavier Tiller, a 6'5", 210 tight end out of Atlanta. Uh, Amari Latimer. Uh, a running back, linebacker prospect, you know, can play both sides of the ball. He's at a uh, Sandy Creek 
2026, I think he'll be more on the uh, the offensive side of the ball. And then 2027, uh, Amari Irvin out of Atlanta as well. That's a very early offer, but Tashard Troy sees what he likes and goes out and offers two Atlanta kids, three of which all from the, uh, the, the state of Georgia. So being active, like you said, Bobby, and you know, I, I, I expect to see a few more offers extended out today. Well, it's funny you mentioned Brandon Brown uh, because we, we've had some questions uh, regarding that and, you know, with the obviously the addition of Baker. So let's kind of scoot back to that. David Williams, the first recruiting job coach Baker needs to tackle is getting in touch with Brandon Brown. If he can keep Brown in the Texas fold, he will have succeeded at recruiting, in my opinion. And then another one uh, that we have here from Jacob says, good morning from Georgetown. Have any recruits or players said how they feel about the new D-line coaching hire? CJ, I don't know. Have you had a chance to talk to any recruits regarding that yet? And if so, what's the word? Yeah, I, I've reached out to, to a, a handful of prospects. And right now, I think they were kind of all in the same kind of boat that we were. You know, who is this guy? Like, where did he come from? What can I know about him? There wasn't a, a whole lot to know. Other than, you know, he coached with the Dolphins last year. He had some previous stops in Conference USA and the Southern Conference as well. So it's it's going to be uh, a little bit on Coach Baker now to say, all right, here was my resume. Here's what I do. Here's how I can help you and start this relationship, which is something I think that is very important. We posted the video yesterday in, on Texas football of his kind of philosophy in which he uses to recruit. And a lot of it is, can I see you playing for me? If yes, then it's going to be all relationship. Let's get that thing started. I want you to know that you can come play for me. I want you to know that you can play for this program. Uh, but above anything else, it's got to be between you and I to, to have trust in one another and get to the point in which we can develop a strong relationship. And I think as at any position that's important on the defensive line, I mean, it's, it's crucial. So I, I'm very excited by that video alone but also the NFL experience that he was able to pick up from Vic Fangio, who's one of the best defensive lines in the NFL with the Miami Dolphins. That's also exciting as well. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. And then, guys, I wanted to bring up this tweet here from our buddy Jerry Hamilton. And Jerry tweeted yesterday, one of the most respected defensive line coach slash minds in the business on the Horns hiring Kenny Baker. And the guy goes on to say, phenomenal hire. He teaches run game, teaches pass rush at a high level, high level, phenomenal hire by texas so high praise there yeah yeah and i think um the other thing to mention in that regard in my opinion is that texas is sitting there um this is this is why i i always say you don't know things like i'm not saying the grass is always greener somewhere else but you gotta find i mean there are good defensive line coaches everywhere there are good tight end coaches everywhere there are good defensive back coaches everywhere they may not be at I don't know, Notre Dame or Alabama or USC or wherever, they actually may be better coaches elsewhere. I'm not saying anything about that. Uh, but uh, I, I agree with this from Jerry Crabby. Uh, if you watch football theory with uh, Rod Babers and Bob Shipley talking about Coach Baker, uh, I don't think you'll be uh, disappointed. I agree 
uh, with that. I, I watched that last night as well. The, the other thing I would say here um, as it relates to that, I did some of my, some of my own uh, recon as well on Kenny Baker, and I should say this now. Uh, the, the thing that I got out of it uh, from him uh, or from the, the, the person that I spoke to directly is that Kenny Baker's got a lot of energy. Um, and so he's not a laid back guy. He's going to be a guy that kind of brings the energy to the room um, and is focuses a lot on pass rush. Uh, those were the two things focusing on pass rush wants to get his guys upfield uh, in within the framework of the defense more quickly, especially on an interior push uh, perspective. Uh, and then the other thing was, is that he's an energy guy. He's not low energy. It's big, you know, and that that's, that's going to be, I mean, I'm not saying Bo Davis was low energy because he's not Bo's more that Southern, you know, Southern wait until things happen, then get it going. This is going to be a new, new energy entering the defensive line room. And, and let's see how it plays out. Um, it, you know, it took a while at Texas for Texas to have a good defensive line, but they ended up having a great one. Okay. Let's see how Kenny Baker gets this going at, at Texas as well, because I think it is going to be a new approach. And I, I think it's going to be a new approach on the recruiting trail too. Yeah. I, I think that energy aspect is really important. We talk a lot about Tashard Choice and Jonathan Brooks actually had a really cool uh, a little segment on third and Longhorn, the, uh, a great show if y'all haven't seen it. He talked about Tashard Choice and the energy that he brings. He said, you know, it, it's one thing for position coaches to to be close with their guys in their room. You know, they see them every day. They have established those relationships. Oftentimes they've recruited them, so they've known them for a, lot, a long time. It's another thing for Tashard Choice to walk down the offensive hallway and start chirping at all the players, the the running backs, the the offensive line, the quarterbacks, and then to go in the defensive hallway and say, "Hey, y'all are going to get the work today." That's kind of what he brings. It's that high energy. Keep the you know the 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 charismatic energy is up there with Tashard Choice, and I think if you can add a supplement on the opposite side of the ball to that with Coach Baker, I think that just only it only helps the the overall energy of the of the room. I you know I watched that with about Tashard Choice too, and what Brooks said, and we've all been in. We've been in business settings. We've been on teams at, at a young age where there was that one coach that kind of had that magnetic kind of feel to him, right? That all the kids wanted to be around and et cetera. It sounds like Tashard Choice is that guy for Texas, right? Um, and if they can add another one on the defensive side of the ball, more power to them. Yeah. No doubt, guys. All right. Well, we got lots of questions rolling in. So, Let's get to them and uh, plenty of time to get your other questions in if you haven't done so already. And we'll start with, uh, we'll stay on the defensive line theme for a second. Captain Americano says, are any top tier defensive tackles expected to jump in the portal soon? Feel like we need one more guy who can anchor our defense in the middle. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, I could tell you right now that Texas is hoping that a big time defensive tackle jumps in the portal. Um, the, the Longhorns are definitely ready for that to uh, happen. Uh, but no names yet, you know. I mean, look, now we have to wait. If if nobody leaves from Michigan, okay, if nobody leaves from Michigan, you're going to have to wait until April 15th. That's what's that's that's the timeline essentially. And so, if you remember correctly, Texas has its spring game on April 20th. So, in that little window of time, guys, you're going to see Texas fan. You're going to see some guys jump into the portal from Texas. And other guys jump into the portal from outside the state, from outside the University of Texas. And so the next real window of, I don't want to call it college football chaos, 
but that's what it will be. Uh, is that April 15th to April 30th timeframe? Uh, I will add Texas. This is another thing we need to mention. I think Texas is going to have a reason now, CJ, to have another junior day in the month of December or in the month of February yeah. with the addition of Kenny Baker. They're going to try to get guys like Xavier Pono, Zion Williams, guys like that, uh, uh, Gidry down at the, the spring area. They're going to get the guys like that back on campus. Brandon Brown, hopefully, out of O'Galley, who David uh, Williams mentioned earlier. Uh, those guys, they're going to want some of those defensive linemen back on campus, and they'll use it probably as uh, an opportunity to get to know some of the other guys that came in already once. I, I think that now we're going to start seeing – probably Texas shoot for a February junior day uh, again. Yeah, that chaotic window just seemingly opens up every every month in college uh, Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, I've got a question for you. Texas adds Savea to the defensive line picture. They haven't added another, and I think we all agreed they need another. Going into spring football, what's kind of the trade-off of knowing that these younger guys, these inexperienced guys get to play – you know, with the ones and twos, more so without that extra body in the room compared to adding that portal piece after spring ball and him having to catch up potentially. Is there is there a benefit there for, for those guys to compete against the ones every day? You get a better feel for what they really are. I mean, to your point, CJ, I mean, look, there are three guys in, in the underclass ranks that I think have A1 potential. Okay, and, and I don't mean this as a negative to Zach Swanson or Aaron Bryant, but those guys, no matter what they do, they're not going to be a top draft pick. They don't they're not going to be a second or third round or anything like that. Okay. They just don't have that kind of ability. But Sadir Mitchell, Alex January, and Jare Bledsoe, they do have that level of ability. They could end up being a, a top three round draft pick. Now, not next year, but two or three years from now, right? And so asking those guys to step up a little bit more in the spring is not a bad thing, to your point. To see them go against DJ Campbell and Jake Majors and Neto uh, or Hayden Connor, whoever it may be, Cole Hudson, those guys on the interior, that that's a good workout for a young guy. You'll find out actually where they're at. And so then that, that says, okay, well, we really need another defensive tackle. Or, you know what, Bledsoe may be coming on a little bit. And it gives them that opportunity to really gauge it. Whereas I don't necessarily think, I mean, I'm one of those guys, CJ, uh, and I was listening to David Pierce yesterday was hilarious. Uh, when, when we interviewed him, he was talking about, you know, all, all, all winter long, we just play against ourselves. So if the pitching's really good, I worry about my hitting. And if the hitting's really good, I'm like, man, we don't have any pitchers. That's the same thing that the Texas coaching staff's doing, right? When they... When they start moving the ball, the ball down the field in practice, they're like, what the heck's going on with my my defense, you know, and vice versa. And so I do think that there is a standard on the Texas offensive line now with all those guys returning for the five returning that you're going to have a truer gauge of what you've got along the defensive front than you would otherwise. Because it's not the, – the offensive line is not an unknown. The defensive tackle position somewhat – is an unknown. So I, I think it's a great point. You know, we talked about portal guys, but can you give folks the latest? I mean, obviously, recruit portal recruiting has died down for the Longhorns for the most part. 
But what what is the latest? I mean, are, are there any anybody that Texas fans should still be aware of at any position, awaiting decisions on that type of deal? I don't think I don't know that Texas is even going to re-engage with Alex Foster at this point. So you're talking about 2024, class of 2024. The next signing day is February 7th. That's the first Wednesday in February. Ryan Williams committed to Alabama two days ago now. That was the star wide receiver out of Sarah Land. So I don't think they're worried about that. Um, I think that that they are pretty much done unless one of these coaches find a guy that's kind of slipped through the cracks that they want to go after in, in the second half of the season. I, I just don't see it happening right now, though. I think they're done for 2024, class of 2024, with the exception of potentially Jabbar Muhammad. So he is expected, I, I still expect him to end up at Oregon at this point. Uh, based on my sources yesterday, uh, Alabama's made a little run there, but Oregon is going to be a team that's tough to beat. And then this next question, fellas, is going to be from more of a comment from EQM, but get y'all's take on it. He says, bold prediction. Michael Kern will be the 2024 opening game punter for the Longhorns. We don't get a lot of punting predictions. <laughs> I can't get behind it. <laughs> Yeah, he looks Jerry Hamilton for those. Jerry's a big punter guy. <laughs> he he looked good in, in uh San Antonio for the All-American Bowl, of course. Punting on air versus punting in you know uh an SEC stadium for the first time is obviously going to be a little bit different. Uh you would like to have experience at the punter spot just to know that you're in good hands there. Uh, but I don't know. I don't I don't know if Texas has a scholarship to add to the punter room. If they do add Via the portal at the punter position, it would have to be a walk-on in my eyes uh, just because of how tight numbers are getting at the moment. So that will be, uh, I think, something that they'll evaluate after spring football and in that window going into summer as well. I'm going to say no. I bet they take a uh, transfer punter. Grad okay. transfer, maybe non-scholarship. They're not – they don't leave things to chance very often. That's the one thing I can tell you about Steve Sarkeesian uh, and even Jeff Banks to some degree. I mean, they went quickly um, from Isaac Pearson. You know what I mean? Uh, and they even had a backup for Isaac Pearson ready to roll. So I, I we'll see. I, I would I would lean to not, and we don't even have that person on the roster yet. I like it. And another freshman uh, that people want to talk about is Jarrett Gibson, the running back. So Rural Eagle says, the more I watch Gibson, the more I see a Nick Chubb type player. And Bobby's right about Wisner being a slasher who needs just a narrow seam and he'll hit it. Can y'all speak on those two guys? I mean, I, we've talked about it a couple of times. Jarrett Gibson physically looks like he's already been in the weight room at the <laughs> University of Texas for about a year and a half. He is one of the most physically impressive running backs that I've seen. He's, he can back it up with his running ability, can run through you, uh, can run by you, can juke you. You know, he's kind of that complete runner. Also showed what I would call plus hands uh, in Orlando at the All-American Bowl. And we talked – uh, sorry, the Under Armour All-American game. We talked about it with Tashard Choice wanting to re recruit complete running backs. Being able to catch out of the backfield is a big piece of that. We have saw it uh, with Jaden Blue, C.J. Baxter a little bit as well last year. That's the expectation, to catch, to be a weapon out of the backfield. Jarrett Gibson has that enough to where I believe he will be a contributor early in his career. Next year, we'll see. But that, that frame and, and build certainly is encouraging. And, Bobby, you're a big fan of Trey Wisner. Uh, you, you've mentioned him in the same breath as Jamal Charles as well in the past. I'll let you take that one. 
Don't don't be doing that to me. Don't don't don't. I I, I have mentioned his running style is similar. Yeah, to Jamal Charles. I will not make that comparison because Jamal Charles was, you know, four two five at times <laughs> with people chasing him. Um, so, you know, I do think they have similar running styles though. Yeah. I think they have the ability to get skinny in the hole, uh, to gl- take glancing tackles. Um, we'll see if he if if uh, Wiser takes over that Keelan Robinson esque role. I think he's actually more of a complete back potentially than Keelan though. Uh, so I, I, I want to see that. Uh, as far as Jarrett Gibson is concerned, I actually saw him in person uh, back in I guess it was late August, early September, first high school football game of the year. Uh, I saw him in person. Uh, he is built like a tank. That's the best way to put it. He is not tall, but he is he is well he is stout, low to the ground. Um, and you're right, CJ. He does look like he's been in a college weight room a year and a half. Um, he already has that upper edge in that regard. I I think he will bounce off people and get and maximize yardage. My only concern about Jarrett Gibson is is he fast enough to hit it outside the tackles in the college game? If he is, he's going to be a plus player at Texas. If he's not, that's where I think he may be limited. We'll, we'll see. I mean, you never know with these guys. I mean, it's like uh, very funny. I, John Makovic uh, uh, told me this one time back when I first, literally when he first came to Texas, that he was talking about um, how at, at the Kansas City Chiefs, they had they had signed a running back, used a first-round pick on a running back out of North Carolina. I think his last name was Hort. Horton. And he said that in the in the NFL and for his offense, he had to have somebody that was quick enough to get outside the tackle to run outside the tackles. And they knew the first practice after that, that they had missed a draft pick because Horton didn't have enough speed to get outside for them. And so Texas will know relatively soon whether Gibson is that guy um, and whether or not he can do that. So we'll we'll see. I mean, I look. I don't know the answer, and and I don't think Texas always knows the answer either. Some of these guys have to prove it on the football field because once they get to college, dude, the game the game speeds up. We can make all these predictions we want to, and that's what I love about Trey Wiseman. We've seen him do it. Like I, once you see him do that stuff, that's a big that's a big plus because then you know it's there. It's just extracting it. One one quick note, you mentioned the entire, the all-around ability of Trey Wisner. My favorite story from his recruitment is talking to Coach Terry Garrick up at Waco Conley when he was there. His sophomore season, uh, they were in the playoffs. 29 tackles, 200 yards of total offense, three touchdowns as a sophomore. That's how you know he can do just about everything on the football field. So I'm with it. He can do just a little bit of everything, and I think Texas is going to find a pretty niche role for him this year. I hope so. We're going to stay on the running back talk. Max says, do you think Blue can fix his ball security issues? He still doesn't protect the ball well enough. I hope he does because he could be the spark plug next year. Man, I agree. I, look, Wisner, Blue, they have speed, guys. I We talked with Rod about this as well. And I, how fun can this offense be if they can run around and, and, and Sark can actually get them in motion and use what, like, like I, I guarantee you what the Miami Dolphins did this year, okay, with getting their guys in motion, 
and getting them already running. Sark has looked at that and said, oh, my God, what have I got to do this offseason to utilize my speed the way the Dolphins use their speed? And he 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 studies those guys. I mean, Rod talked about it. He studies the West Coast guys, McDaniel, Shanahan, McVeigh. Those are his guys. Um, and so I'm interested to what that translates to the University of Texas on the football field because – I mean, he is clearly, I mean, we went over that. We've gone over this a couple of days in a row now, CJ and Blake. 10-500 meter from Ryan Wingo. 10-4-1 for Ryan Niblett. 10-4-8 for Isaiah Bond. Those aren't just fast. Those are bordering on the elite speed guys. So I, I'm, I'm impressed. Hey, guys, this next question here, we're going to talk about Quinn Ewers from King Me. What element of Ewers' game must improve in year three, and does his injury pass concern you? I'll start with that back half first. I think this is a great opportunity for Quinn to add to that protection, that body, uh, you know, kind of building up what he needs to be physically. You know, this is a good year for him to add 10 pounds. We talked about him losing 10 pounds last year. Get in the weight room, get under that squat rack, and give yourself a little protection with some thickness uh, from from the weight room, that would be something I would I would certainly hope and see as uh, improvement from 2023 on the field. Though I think, and I know I think Bobby, you're going to go with the the fastball, so I'll I'll go a different route here. And it's just being aware of the pocket, being uh, a little more understanding of when to dip out, when to run. He did a pretty good job of that this year at times. Kansas specifically, I think he had what that 35 or 40 yard touchdown run where he looked <laughs> he looked pretty fast there. You know, I don't think a lot of people. Had seen that previously with him, but uh, not taking the self sacks, which is something that I think he did a, a little bit too often this past year. When the pocket did collapse, instead of trying to find, you know, a quick shut down or trying to, you know, kind of evade through the pocket, it, it was just a, a quick fall down to take it. Uh, no big hit and going in the next play. I appreciate that, but at this next stage in your development, it needs to be kind of that magic out of a bottle play for Quinn Ewers. I would like to see that a little bit more in 2024. Um, for Quinn, uh, first of all, I talked to someone really close to him uh, on Wednesday of this week. Uh, he has got a full off-season plan to get to gain that weight. So he's going to try to add 10 to 15 pounds of pure muscle this year, this off-season. So, and he's on the plan. He's doing the plan already. Uh, everybody's checked off on it. Um, he, he's been working a little bit with Bobby Stroop, the quarterback trainer out in um, East Texas that uh, Patrick Mahomes worked with. Uh, for some of that stuff as well. Everybody's on board with where he's going right now. Uh, from a play perspective for him, uh, CJ, the, the the thing that you mentioned pocket awareness, I completely agree. Um, the self-sacks have to, have to at least diminish some. There were like three or four where he ran himself into trouble. Um, the fastball you mentioned, I think that's more about short yardage situations and red zone. Uh, those two things. And then the last piece are quicker reads generally. Um, and what do I expect from him this year based over last year? I don't necessarily expect this quantum leap again. Everybody was looking for a quantum leap from year one of him to year two. Well, they got it, but they got it over time. Right. The, the quarterback at the end of the year was much better than the, the quarterback at the beginning of the year for Quinn Ewers, in my opinion. Over time, you're going. It, this is not just, you know, all of a sudden he's he's the the best thing since sliced bread. It takes time, and so I think we'll see that uh, continuous improvement uh, for him. I really do. 
And, and I think that they're going to work on some of these things in the offseason. The, the, the red zone offense, I just mentioned how Texas wants to try to uh, incorporate more speed. Uh, if you don't think Steve, Steve Sarkeesian isn't looking at his performance in 2023 and regretting that they didn't do better in the, in the red zone, you don't know how competitive Steve Sarkeesian is. He wants to be at the top of those categories, not lingering at the, I mean, that, 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 that to, to think that he's not going to address that. I, I think that everybody's fooling themselves. If they don't think they're going to try to get in the lab and, and figure that out. Well, we're going to talk more about Quinn Ewers and the offense here in a minute, but first Bobby, tell everybody out there about factor. Yeah, absolutely. So factor is a, a meal replacement company that I'm uh, happy to, to, to use. Uh, get started on your, your New Year's resolutions with Factor so you're ready uh, for the new year. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door with more than 35 meals to choose from per week, including keto and calorie smart options, plus more than 55 weekly add-ons, You'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your New Year's resolutions. Uh, one of the things that I really am excited about with Factor, these meals only take two minutes to heat up in the microwave. That makes it super easy for me. I work out of my home. I know a lot of you guys do too. Uh, I want to eat well, but not uh, just sit there and snack all day. This helps me do that. Also, I love the plan uh, that they have where you can get as, as few as four meals a week up to 18 per week, or you can even pause it. So when I go out of a town, like I was down in Austin for a week last week, that I, I can totally pause it and not have to worry about it. Uh, stress less over meal times in the new year. Factors no prep, no prep, no mess meals, free up time. Otherwise, spent shopping, cooking, and cleanup. No more wasting time in the kitchen. Call to uh, the call to action here. Head to factormeals.com forward slash Texas50. And you use code Texas50 to get 50% off. That's code Texas50 at factormeals.com forward slash Texas50 to get 50% off. Uh, I really enjoyed this meal plan. I really, really do. Factormeals.com forward slash Texas50. Thank you, Factor, for uh, sponsoring on Texas football as well. Takes only two minutes. I like that. I can't cook. I don't want to I'm not kidding. It's really good. <laughs> I, like that. I don't know how to say that because I end up making myself a ham sandwich otherwise. You know, <laughs> I mean, this way I actually get greens. It's it's, yeah. it's healthy. Got to eat them vegetables. That's right. All right, guys. We're gonna uh, go back to the offense talk for just a moment here. Lance Catswell uh, followed up y'all's Quinn Ewers talk with this. Do you think that Quinn doesn't set his feet well and relies too much on his arm? He looks like happy feet in the pocket. I think there are examples in which you can point to and say yes, but at the same time, I think this has always been the quarterback that Quinn is. You know, the arm talent was what made him the highest rated or tied for the highest rated quarterback prospect to ever come out of high school. That's who he is. And so I think if you put too much emphasis in it, it takes away from what he wants to do and how comfortable he is in the pocket. Obviously, there's going to be little things that you can tune up and, and, and tweak as well, uh, but I don't know. I, I don't I never have looked at his feet as a big detriment to his game. I thought that there there have been times, obviously, where he's been way off balance throwing his feet look like, you know, he's throwing with his right foot in front a little a little funky at times. Yes. But 
that's been who he has always been. So to me, I've never seen it as a big problem. I've thought he's been pretty accurate aside from the deep shots that we continually have talked about during his career. So if that's going to fix it, then yes, the, the feet need to get better. But right now, at least, you know, coming off of what we saw at the end of the season, I, I haven't thought that there's necessarily a big issue with Quinn Ewers. All right. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take a little bit different stance in the UCJ. Just to, right. it's not, it's not huge. Um, the happy feet thing is more about, does he feel comfortable in the pocket? That's the self-sack stuff. Yeah. That's different than setting his feet and, and, and into the throwing motion. Right. So the, there were some real issues with footwork um, his freshman year. I mean, look, he was a true freshman, hadn't played football for two years. Of course, there's going to be issues, right? Um, he's also learning. It's, it's his process. Um, I thought his footwork was much better this year. I thought it was much better later in the year than early in the year. And I think it's going to be better next year than it was this year. Um, these are young guys. And the one thing that I will say is – not just him, but Arch Manning and now Trey Owens. They have Steve Sarkeesian and AJ Milwee working it up, working with them now. I mean, those guys, they coach, they know how to coach quarterbacks. They they know how to extrapolate and get those guys going in the right direction and the small tweaks that they need to make make. That doesn't mean that they're going to be improved overnight because it takes practice. But uh I'm I'm a big believer um in uh, Quinn Ewers. From the standpoint of this, I think that he continues to show improvement. And all that arm talent you talked about, CJ, we've yet to see the best Quinn Ewers. The question I have is, are we going to see the best Quinn Ewers now? Or is it going to be five years later in the NFL? Because I think he's still, I mean, he's, if there's anybody on this roster, think about this, that's just doing that steady climb. Is there anybody that's doing a more steady climb on this roster than Quinn Ewers? No, he's certainly on the steepest trajectory upwards. To that, your point. Yeah, that's my point. It's like, like your quarterback's going like this. So your team's going to go like this. It's <laughs> the most important position on the field. The, the other guy, I mean, like you could say Jaden Blues made a, he did he did the inverse, I mean, he did that curve right. up, right? Where it's just that. I was, but, uh, I was thinking DJ Campbell as well, but to your point, not as steep. It, like Quinn Ewers, we've seen that game-to-game improvement significantly, especially yeah. towards the end of the year. Yeah, I, 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 so I love where he's going with his game. I, I really do, and and hope to see more of it this year. I think Texas fans will be really happy if that, that kind of incline continues. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have a super chat, fellas, and we are going to take it from Justin Yarbrough. Thank you, Justin, as always. He says, Bobby, if Colton Vossett gets heavy or healthy, excuse me, will he get on the field? And with Murphy gone, who's the strongest guy on the team? Hey, if he can get really heavy, he might be able to move move the nose. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a good talk about Colton Vossett, right? Uh, his brother, by the way, visited Texas on Junior Day. I thought that was interesting. He's got another. He's got a younger brother at Westlake. Um, all right. Somebody wrote on ontexasfootball.com and said there's a log jam right now at Edge. Okay, and I know what they mean. Like Jamon Tapp, Justice Finkley, uh, Baron Sorrell, Ethan Burke, Colton Vosick, who Cecilia Connor may be playing there a little bit. So what is 
what does it really look like there? Here's my – and now Colin Simmons coming in, Zena, those guys, uh, Trey Moore added to the mix. That looks like a log jam, but in my opinion, it's not a log jam because nobody has really taken the, the bull by the horns. It's not a log jam unless you're behind several great players. Texas has yet to prove that even though Baron Sorrell is a really good player and, and potential NFL guy, Ethan Perk, same thing. There's not a log jam because no one has gone out there and sacked, created 10 sacks for the Longhorns. It's, it's more of they're winning by depth right now. I want to see somebody take that position by the, by the horse. I don't know if Colton Vosick can do that. I haven't seen him healthy enough in a practice setting to actually gauge it. I mean, that, that's my point. So everybody wants to, to do that. He hasn't been help, healthy enough to really practice enough for people to see that yet. So he's like, he's almost, I don't want to say he's a true freshman because he's not, but it's almost like you don't know yet on him. Yeah, you you had a stat a while ago. The last 10 sack season for a Texas defensive end. I, I forget the year, but it was oh, a while ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's been a while. Uh Texas needs a 10 sack guy. It but it's not like unless things change. I mean, who's that gonna come from? Maybe Trey Moore this year, maybe Ethan Burke. Baron Sorrell is just not that guy. He's a strong side defensive end. Yeah, Anthony Hill's not that guy because they're not playing him on the edge. Might be that guy. Is Collins? Collins Simpson's not going to do that as a true freshman. You wouldn't think. If he did that, he'd be national freshman of the year, and most likely, I mean, he'd, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. But my point is, I don't see it as a log jam because until there are true great players that are sitting behind other great players, that's not a log jam. That's just a. That's just we're waiting for someone to break out. Bobby, you mentioned ontexasfootball.com a second ago. So we're going to take some questions from the ontexasfootball.com community. And we'll start with this one from Too Broke to Pay Attention. Do you think our new D-line coach will make his first move or splash in the portal or through high school recruiting? How soon do you think it will come? Well, I don't know. I the timing of it. I, I do think it'll be through high school recruiting because he's going to hit the ground running probably and try to get guys on campus in the spring. You won't be able to bring guys in through the portal until April. So I, I think the focus will be on high school recruiting, getting to know guys around the state of Texas in particular, and possibly some, some guys in the, the Atlanta area. So let's wait and see how that in Texas, Look, a, a lot of this is, and having listened to, to some interviews with players, the, the 2025 recruits, they're giving, the defensive line, a lot of them are giving Texas the benefit of the doubt here because Texas just won a lot of football games. And Torrey Becton was as much a part of the development of, of Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy as Bo Davis to a degree. And he's the, he's the strength and conditioning guy there. So don't, and he didn't leave. So I, I feel like they realize that it's the Texas program at some point. They just need to get to know Kenny Baker. And I think that's going to start almost immediately. I expect him. I think he's going to be on the road next week. Uh, but we'll see. 
And then this next one from the on texasfootball.com forums is from Ryan Nelson. And Ryan says, Bobby Terrence Brooks needs to become that adult in the room over the spring. This is a big spring for him heading into year three. CJ, you had a stat that I thought was awesome. Uh, the number of snaps. Uh, you thought that uh, you your, your uh, research said that uh, Terrence Brooks had more snaps at corner than anybody uh, yep. in the Texas secondary this year. What, what was it? What, how did he grade out in that sort of stuff? No, he he was Texas's best coverage corner in terms of completion percentage. Uh, we talked about Jabbar Muhammad potentially coming into this group as well. Jabbar Muhammad was an all conference guy, allowing 52% of his completions or uh, targets to become completions when targeted. Terrence Brooks was at 44%, and this was over 80 targets this past season. So Terrence Brooks was very, very solid. He had the most. Uh, uh, snaps to your point, Bobby, of any Texas cornerback. He was right around 63% for this uh, the Texas defense last year. Obviously, Ryan Watts missed a few games, but uh, if you adjust it to the games in which he was fully healthy, taking out the Texas Tech game as well, in, in which he only saw the first snap, he was right around 59% of the snaps. So I think the Texas staff truly values what they have in, in Terrence Brooks, but I love that comment because we've talked about the, the growth from Quinn Ewers on the offensive side of the ball. Well, there's a number of guys – as well on the defensive side of the ball that are looking to take that that next step as they become upperclassmen, Terrence Brooks is absolutely one of them. And he's in a position right now in which there won't be another guy added to this room. He can look around and say, all right, this is going to be my job. I can, I know I can step in and be, you know, become that shutdown corner that Texas covets, uh, especially on the field side. That That's going to be a lot of ground that he has to cover. So I'm right there with him. I love that comment. I thought that was really special, but, but yes, he's coming off of a good year. I think there's room for him to become a to have a great year in 2024. All right, y'all. Before we move on, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about BKCW one last time. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about the insurance trap at BKCW. They want to get you out of it. Uh, operating out of their headquarters in Austin, Texas, and owned by UT grad, BKCW uses a five-step process to identify the weak spots of your business as it relates to insurance, design a plan, execute it, and then monitor your situation throughout the year so that you can lower your insurance costs and effectively manage your company's risks. BKCW has already helped some of the most well-known construction companies, restaurant groups, breweries, nonprofits in Central Texas escape the insurance trap. And it all starts with a free risk assessment. Go to bkcw.com or send an email to info at bkcw.com to get started with a free risk assessment or claims audit and escape the insurance trap. You won't regret it. Again, a free assessment by bkcw.com for your business. All right. Well, the defensive back discussion that started with Terrence Brooks uh, has, you know, it's really getting going in the chat. So we're going to bring up a couple of those comments here. We're going to start with Miguel, who says, I wish Brooks could gain a step in speed. But then David Williams' rebuttal to that is what is most important for Brooks is that he takes over the boundary corner position from Ryan Watts. Not needing to cover the field with his speed will make him a much better corner, in my view. I, I'm uh, check mark. I agree with you, David. Um, if he can be, if he can be boundary full time, I think that 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 allows Muhammad Manny Muhammad to play field. Uh, it opens it up uh, in that regard. Uh, it, it, it's interesting because Texas is trying to 
in some ways they're trying to get away from this boundary and field alignment and want to have enough speed where guys can play both sides. They're not quite there yet. Um, Terrence Brooks has never been a low four, four guy. He's all been, always been a low four, five guy. Um, and so uh, he, he is more of a natural boundary corner to me, but they played him at field because they had to, to get the best guys on the field with Ryan Watts opposite him at boundary. That's just, it's just a natural move to, to David Williams's uh, discussion. I still think though, David, the problem here with entering the SEC is everybody has more speed on the outside typically. And so that boundary corner, that's one of the things that they've got to figure out uh, going into this year, how they're going to play that a little bit. And then Blake Bryant says, Malik Muhammad is going to take a huge leap this year. CJ, you're shaking your head. Yes, Bobby, it looks like you're in agreement as well. What What's successful for Muhammad? You know, I, I asked you all this the other day about another player, but, you know, what would make a successful season for Muhammad? I think it's jumping into that same snap count range as Terrence Brooks. Yep. You know, that 60% kind of range. Texas is going to continually get Gavin Holmes in. We might see some Warren Roberson as well. Maybe a couple of the new freshmen. Who knows how that rotation truly goes, but I want to see both Muhammad and Brooks kind of control that spot with the the, the pure majority of the snaps. I, the, the biggest thing with Malik Muhammad and – you know, we saw it at times this past season. He wasn't targeted all too often. I thought that was kind of rare for a true freshman cornerback. Uh, the play he made against, I think it was Texas Tech, where he was locked down in coverage, turns around and just picks the ball off in, in perfect stride and, and, and hip to hip with his wide receiver is really impressive to me. But the biggest thing to me is if he is that field guy this next season, that's a lot of ground to cover. I think he has the speed above anything else. It's going to come down to open field tackling. And Malik Muhammad can tackle. And he's willing to tackle. You don't see that very often for young defensive backs, especially on the outside at corner. But that's a guy who's not afraid to come up and hit you. I thought some of the best plays he made this year was leaving his zone to come up and make a, a play on a tight end in an in a underneath crossing route. That was, to me, the biggest, okay, this kid, this kid's ready to play at a big level. I, I think that you're right, first of all. The, the, the step for him is kind of similar to the same step that Terrence Brooks just took, right? That's the path. The thing that he has, I believe, is he has a nose for the football. Mm -hmm. um, Rod Babers was talking about it with us. Uh, remember that interception he made or that play he made uh, on against Texas Tech where he was playing the ball and not the man down the sideline? And the, the man had actually gotten behind him a little bit. I, I feel like that, uh, CJ and Blake, is where – Manny Muhammad is different maybe than all the other DBs in the DB room right now. And so he has a little bit more upside because of that, because he can create more turnovers, I think. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to stay on the DB discussion just a little bit more. Rural Eagle says, I can't super chat because I don't have my card in here, but I have a question. That's okay, Eagle. We'll, we'll take your question. What do you think happens to Austin Jordan? Does he move to safety? Or is he the backup nickel? I mean, you know, Jalen Gilbo, this is a big spring for Jalen Gilbo, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, because with Barron back and Makuba uh, now likely playing safety, um, Jalen Gilbo and Austin Jordan are going to be battling for that backup nickel spot. And one of them is likely going to try to move to safety. I think Gilbo 
is more the nickel and Jordan is more the safety. Um, but let's see what happens once they put the pads on in spring training and see if uh, Jordan moves to safety. They've already moved Jelani McDonald full-time to safety. I don't know if they're going to take another nickel and move them to safety. So I, the battle for the backup nickel spot is going to be big between Gilbo and Austin Jordan, in my opinion, right now. Yep. And perhaps one of the newcomers. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, this next question here um, is going to be from Lance Caswell. And, he's, and Lance says, do you think Anthony Hill can move into that role in a similar transition as Micah Parsons? I know that was kind of the discussion Pete Kripkowski had with Dan Quinn a year ago. That more kind of spurned around DeMarvion Overshone and how he can use his speed, athleticism, and length to his advantage. And I thought that we saw a good usage of that Overshone coming up off the, up, up the middle in blitzes, obviously how they used him in side-to-side run-stopping uh, lateral quickness there. I think you're going to see more of that as the playbook opens up for Anthony Hill in 2024. Uh, I, I did think his most impact that he made at times was off the edge. Uh, I, I thought, especially against Alabama, obviously a sack and a half. He was in that backfield given the, the right tackle hell for Alabama all game, it felt like, whenever he was used there. I didn't necessarily think that we saw enough of him off the edge, but at times you needed him to be that guy in the middle next to Jalen Ford. You just had to have that athleticism and ability to drop back into coverage as well as the threat that he brings up the middle. He's a guy that defenses have to key on and say, all right, where's zero? Like we got to point him out because we know just how you know impactful he can be at times due to his athleticism. I'd like to see him use a little bit more in blitzes. I think that that's more his strength. Uh, but I mean, with his athleticism, as I mentioned, I mean, you can use him just about anywhere and get away with it. He's special player. Uh, CJ, Anthony Hill's a special player. Um, You mentioned blitzing because, you know, he could, he literally could be an edge if he wanted to be. Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah. And, but he's, they're playing him at linebacker because frankly, I think he could be, I mean, this guy, I'm not saying he's going to be this, but he can be an, he, he has the ability to be an all pro linebacker, not just a linebacker in the league. That's the kind of ability you're talking about. That doesn't mean he's going to hit it, right? That's the that's the million-dollar question. Um, but that's what could be ahead of him. I, I feel like if you look at Anthony Hill and all of what Texas is trying to do there, they've got to find a way to use him more as a pass rusher. I, I, I do agree with that. But they can't go whole hog with it. That's because I think he is going to be too valuable ultimately as a linebacker. They may have lost an extra one or two sacks this year by him not lining up more outside. I agree with you, right? But a year from now, two years from now, when he's an all-conference, all-American level linebacker, and he's actually, you know, piecing together the back end and the front end of your defense, we saw how valuable that was this year with Jalen Ford. When he's doing that again at an even higher level, potentially, you're going to go, oh, okay, now I understand, right? But a lot of people are like wanting to rush the pass. Well, he needs reps at linebacker too. He needs to see those crossing routes, CJ. He needs to identify them. He needs to snuggle up on the guy that's running the dig. I mean, there are all kinds of things, little things like that. He needs to be able to read uh, the guards. I mean, there's that that comes with a lot, a lot of practice to make it instinctual so he's actually using 
that speed and that God-given ability that he has. Yeah. Well, one other note on Anthony Hill is as winter workouts are going, you can expect him to be one of those big leaders, leading workouts, leading the middle of the pack. You know, that's who he has always been. And you could, I think you're going to see that from a sophomore Anthony Hill this, this offseason. Is that what you saw in high school was a guy that's kind of an alpha? Absolutely. I mean, Denton Ryan was always in contention. They always had talent. But when you saw Anthony Hill play, he was the guy that teammates would look to on the defensive side of the ball, you know, after being on the field, you know, what do we got to do? What, like, help us out here. And it was always Anthony Hill. Jatavian Sanders was a little bit more like that, but he's a little bit quieter, I think. Uh, Anthony Hill is is not afraid to tell you how it is. And he's a great leader in that aspect. Good stuff. All right, Joel, just as we do every morning, we've had a ton of people join since we first started. So I kind of want to rehash everything for those that may have been late. And uh, let's start with coaches on the road. And Bobby, I'm going to let you take that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian was down in Southeast Texas yesterday. I uh, saw Jackson Christian went by Jasper High, High School as well. Tashard uh, Choice was in Atlanta, offered three guys, uh, all of whom were 26 and 27, class of 26, 27. Uh, they did offer a uh, linebacker uh, out of uh, California yesterday that's a 2025. Uh, a, a Polynesian kid. So they're, they're out and the coaches are out and about today. They're expected to be in East Texas, deep East Texas, uh, Steve Sarkeesian in particular. So we'll be following that a little bit, see if there are any new offers out there or if uh, his uh, visit means a little bit more. The other thing I would say in, in recruiting right now, and CJ, you and I have been talking about this, the number of guys that are going to A&M this weekend that overlap with the guys that went to Texas last weekend, Right. We've mentioned the two guys from Bridgeland, uh, the offensive lineman, Ryan Foji and Jonte Newman. Uh, we've talked about Bo Barnes, the, deep, the linebacker uh, at uh, Skyline, Riley Pettijan, linebacker at uh, McKinney. There's a number of guys, and so we're going to kind of be monitoring that as far as also with the coaches on the road uh, situation as well. Obviously, the other thing we need to talk about a little bit is Kenny Baker's hire uh, at defensive line coach. Uh, if you missed out on that, Baker, the defensive lineman, defensive, assistant defensive line coach for the Dolphins, coming over uh, to uh, the University of Texas. Steve Sarkeesian hired him officially yesterday, and that, that news leaked out. Uh, Baker, a native of Atlanta, uh, we expect Texas to try to get a little bit stronger in the state of Georgia in recruiting. Uh, there's been some early returns. I don't want to say early returns, but early mentions of multiple people saying that this guy is a future rising star in the industry. Prove it, though. I mean, that's that's the that's the ultimate Texas thing. Uh, but uh, welcome to Kenny Baker, new defensive line coach at the University of Texas. Okay, y'all, we have time for a few more questions here before we wrap up. Uh, and let's, you know, we were talking about, obviously, Anthony Hill, the pass rush, but Cotton wants to know, can Colin Simmons fill that role, keeping Hill at middle linebacker? He certainly can be an option. You know, how much are we going to see from him as a true freshman, especially in that kind of crowded room? Who's going to create that separation? Can it be Colin Simmons? Maybe to expect that week one, I think, is a little a little bit much. I think we can certainly see it, you know, week nine, week 10, Colin Simmons is on the field for about 40, 50% of the snaps because he does have that kind of talent and impact. Uh, you talk about game breakers, he has that potential. And so I think it's just untapping it, making sure that he's ready and not thrown into the fire too quickly. Uh, that's the biggest thing for Colin Simmons. 
nothing would please me more if he had five sacks this year. I'm just going to, I mean, you know, you, you talk about, I use the word disruptor, yep. right? That's mine. I mean, that, that's what I look for on defense. Guys that change plays, guys that you have to work around. Because offense is getting so good now, the schemes, they it really is. It takes disruptors to throw everything off kilter. That's what it takes. Not only do you have to be well-versed in assignment, sci- uh, assignment sound and all of that stuff, you need guys that make off-schedule plays on defense. I mean, because that's the, that's the way the worm that's the way the game changes. And and more of those guys you get, a Colin Simmons, if he can even show signs of that, if Manny Muhammad can make a pick that somebody else wouldn't, if Anthony Hill can get a, you know, make a play in space that other guys can't, Derek Williams comes in head hunts. There's just a number of different and and is able to cover the back end. That, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, you kind of you kind of took the next question, Bobby, because Gary Smallwood said, "I don't know about y'all, but I for one can't wait to see Simmons Hill and Trey Moore on the field at the same time." And we we talked about it last year about Texas going big up front with you know Alfred Collins, Stephon Richmond, Byron Murphy, Ethan Burke. That's a big line. That's kind of that same thinking, but more with speed. And I think that you know, as as common a, a theme that's been on the offensive side of the ball, we're going to start seeing a lo- little bit of that uh, for Pete Gritkowski squad as well. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Bobby. Well, before we get out of here, can you tell folks what they can expect not only later today but through the weekend right here on on Texas football? Yeah, absolutely. We've got a bunch of stuff coming. We got a one o'clock live stream. Rod, myself, CJ joining back again. If you got any follow up questions. We'll also be looking at uh, anything that happened uh, over the last couple of hours. Uh, enjoy it uh, and come and hang out with us a little bit if you've got time this afternoon. Uh, also, over the weekend, uh, I've got a Saturday conversation coming that I hope you like. Uh, we've got a number of different things. We're going to be watching the, the uh, A&M Junior Day, make sure there's no big stuff there uh, going on as well. And then always, as always, you're welcome to check in for you know hourly updates, what have you on stuff that relates to the University of Texas on our website, on texasfootball.com. Please join us there. Uh, we've got over a thousand signups already in the first less than a week. So uh, please come join us, hang out with us. Uh, we, we answer questions, talk with you, one another. You guys are welcome to start threads too and talk amongst yourselves. Uh, that's what we're trying to do here. Uh, really, really do appreciate you guys. That's right. Okay. Well, we want to thank all of you for tuning in. We've got to thank BKCW and Factor for sponsoring today's show. Thank you for the super chats. And like Bobby said, head on over to ontexasfootball.com, sign up, uh, join the in on the discussion, get your questions answered when we're not live here on Coffee and Football or any of the other live streams. And then also be sure to hit that like and subscribe button if you haven't already. Just a quick note uh, for those of you who aren't aware. You have to have a, a YouTube account or a Google account to be able to subscribe. Once you have one of those and you sign in, then you can hit the subscribe button that should be right underneath this video here. And then you can ring the bell after you're subscribed so you're notified anytime and every time we go live or post a new video. So for Bobby Burton and CJ Vogel, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you on Monday morning. Have a great weekend. Yeah, have a great weekend, guys.